listening to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And i got to tell you something, people. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I interviewed a guy named George Pelicanos, and uh, George is a, a novelist. He's written 31 novels. He was also nominated for an Emmy for uh, The Wire. He's a writer and producer. But he co-created a show called The Deuce that was on HBO. And I don't know if you haven't seen this, but I just watched in the last week and a half three seasons, and it's amazing. James Franco plays two brothers, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, who's just an amazing actor. She's in it, and it takes place in uh, The Deuce, which is an area in Manhattan, uh, back in the day. It takes place in the 70s, and it takes place in the 80s. So if you have HBO Go or HBO, please, please watch it. Anyway, we have a great show today. I'm excited for my guest. i got to tell you, back when I, uh, back when I had hair and I was wearing my parachute pants, I used to dance to her jams at the clubs in Philly and the Jersey Shore. And my guest is Lisa Velez. How you doing, Lisa? <laughs> How are you? Good. It's so funny because I, I was thinking, you know, I always practice a little bit of my intro and I was thinking do I say how you doing Lisa Lisa how you doing Lisa Velez what has it been like you because you've had that moniker Lisa Lisa for so long how do people approach you when they meet you and know who you are uh, they just say hi Lisa <laughs> that's about it Lisa 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 whatever one makes them happy that's fine with me now I want to talk about you growing up and your music but I've read two different uh things on how you got the name Lisa Lisa. One was on Wikipedia, which I tend not to believe, and one was in an article, an interview you just did with the New York Post. How did you get the name Lisa Lisa? <laughs> uh, the guys full force, they will deny this, but I tell you, I got the name because they could never look me in the eye. They always looked me below the chin and doubled <laughs> The name, and that's how I got the name. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> Wikipedia says that you named yourself that because Roxanne Roxanne was a big hit. No, <laughs> not at all. Now you're a New Yorker. Uh, now, now, when did you start singing? I know you come from a very big family. Uh, was your family a very musical family? Uh, my mom was, um, but we were raised in the church choir. And um, we started singing at a very long, young age. There's 10 of us, but the girls were all the singers in the church choir. Uh, I started singing when I was six years old, and I sang the Ave Maria for my mom. And that's basically how I figured out that I wanted to be a singer. Now, at a young age, did people notice that you had a really good voice, or is it because you were young people couldn't tell? Yeah, they kind of, I, I had my mom in tears. So I mean, once I saw that, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. Uh, she's getting a great uh, reaction to, to, to me singing, and I, I definitely want to continue this. <laughs> now, what is it like growing up with 10 kids? I mean, we had a, kid, we had a family in our neighborhood, the Cool Hands, that had nine kids. And it was just, we couldn't, couldn't I, I grew up with the two, a brother and a sister. What is it like growing up with such a big family? I mean, I'm sure there's so much camaraderie, but there's probably some, you know, competition. Never a competition. Always a fight for the food. <laughs> my mom used to say, if you want to eat your food, don't leave the table, because when you got back, no food was on the plate. We all fought for the food, but always camaraderie, always connected. It was, it was a pleasure. I, I basically uh, got to learn from their mistakes, what I didn't want in life. So there you go. That was my learning session. Now, where were you in the order of the children? I'm the youngest. Okay, so you... I'm number 10. 
Now, now, how's it broken up? Is it how many girls and how many guys? Seven girls, three guys. Okay. So, you know, we're a woman crazy. <laughs> yeah, your guy, your brothers must have gone crazy. Now, were they were they protect were they protective? Very, very protective. Still are, and um, I think the sisters uh, were influenced by the brothers. They're now very protective. So it's very cool. So, so you're you're a young kid. You decide you want to uh, get into singing. Uh, that want you want to be a career. How do you mm-hmm. how do you start? What what are your what are your what is your path to becoming a singer? I used to sneak out of the house and go and, and get paid like ten twenty dollars just to perform with the, you know that you were on Ninth Avenue there were a lot of because I was born and raised in Hope Kitchen Midtown Manhattan on Ninth Avenue there were a lot of restaurant bars lounges kind of places and still are um, I used to go and they used to sneak in there and ask can I please perform with the band and I did a lot of standards. Uh, I went to Julia Richmond High School, and I was in the Talent Unlimited department, and I I stuck that out too. So I think that's where I got my hands. So Met a lot of people. <laughs> so so now so now you're getting you're going to these uh, playing at these clubs, the, the bars, cafes, or whatever, and you're singing mm-hmm. standards. When do you mm-hmm. sit there and when do you decide to break away from that and try to become what you eventually became? I actually was approached by a friend in um, school saying that um, you need to meet these guys because they're putting together a girl group. Uh, they wanted me to go to the fun house and meet with one of the roadies of Full Force. So I went there and I met Mike, who eventually turned into Mike Hughes of Coltan. And um, <clears throat> he said, you need to come to this audition. I heard you can sing. And I said, yeah, I know I can sing. Let's go. Let's go to this audition. So I didn't go to school one day. And went to Brooklyn and um, met up with the guys. I was the last girl on the line, actually. It was past 11 o'clock that I got in there, 11 p.m. And I sang for the guys. And then they gave me a cassette tape. And they said, go practice this. And uh, we're going to go into the studio the following Tuesday. That was a Thursday night. And on the following Tuesday, I was in the studio in Manhattan recording Take You Home and Can You Feel the Beat. And so, that's basically how it happened. That's amazing. So you sit there, you go for an audition, you're, you're the last one. I mean, they're probably mm-hmm. tired because you just probably so many people auditioning. They've heard, heard so many, and they picked you. Did you ever find out that they yeah. ever tell you why they selected you? Yeah, they liked the blend. They thought that I was very, uh, my voice was kind of like uh, Motown-ish, Martha and the Vandellas kind of texture, and that's what they were looking for. So you get in the band, you go to the mm-hmm. studio. Now, are you prepared to be in the studio? You've probably never been in the studio before. What was it? Never you... ever have I been in the studio ever. <laughs> so, so what was it like when you walked in? I walked in and I was amazed. You know, I saw all the equipment and the rooms and everything, and they were like, "Just go in there." They put some headphones on me, locked me in that room, and said, "Start singing." And I started singing, and that's how we recorded. Now, did you just feel at home once you got into it? Excuse me? Did you feel at home? Just like you knew this is where you were supposed to be when you first oh, yeah. got into it. Absolutely. I closed my eyes and I just went for it. Now, you you start recording. What's the group band's plan after you get the recording done? How do they go um, about how do they get a record deal? How do you go about all that? Well what the full force did was they had um, a production deal with personal records, which was an overseas um label 
and they got the one song put on a compilation album that was being released overseas called Breakdancing. So take, I wonder if I take it home was that song. So they released it on that and just put it out. Basically, it was pretty quick, you know, pretty quick. And um, it took about a year and a half for them to release it out here in the States. People thought we were a British group. Uh, Full Force decided that the, the other girls that they had already chosen. Uh oh, I'm sorry. My car alarm's going off. <laughs> sorry. They, they decided that the blend wasn't too good. You know, uh, so they just made us a group. Mike Hughes, who I actually met up with at the Funhouse, took me over to Full Force, um, had this other guy that they wanted to make a group with. And they were like, please give us our chance, which was Sponador, uh, Alex Mosley. And um, they decided to make a group like that. You know, two guys and a girl. That's how that all became. Now, what was your mom's reaction when she found out you snuck out and then you were in a band was she uh all behind you was she supportive or was she a little hesitant my mom my mom was very religious very very religious i mean it took for the comp the record label would come up to her and and say listen she needs to wear pants now she needs to have her eyebrows plucked we need to really get with it here i mean i was only 13 <laughs> and they were like my mom said, okay, well, you know, all right, we'll, we'll try this. And I mean, she was very, very um, open for me to get, you know, this opportunity because she knew from the beginning, she knew since I was six that it's what I wanted to do. She knew that. So she she basically was the one who was pushing me into everything. She said, come on, you got to do this. You're, you're good at this. I really believe in you. Uh, yeah, she was there 100%. Now, you record that first uh CD, well, the first song, you said it's in a compilation. When do you guys start getting, start playing live and getting recognized? I mean, wh at what point of your career? Wow, it was close to like seven months after it was released out here in the States. Um, the, the DJs started playing it and then radio started to, to bang with it. And that's when Columbia Records decided to go to... Um, come to us and say we wanted a deal. So we got the, the deal with Columbia through personal records. No. Um, they started to, you know, take us on the, the club circuit. And I remember we were doing per night. We were doing like four or five clubs a night just to get out there and let people notice us. And then after that was when they decided to, let's put a video together. You know, I was already, I think I was almost turning 15 when they decided to, to, to do the video. That's how long it took. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's when we started to get noticed because it started to get played on the radio. Now, do you remember the first time you heard yourself on the radio? Absolutely. I was working for Benetton. Oh, so wow. That's a... I, had to, I was a working girl, I tell you, because there was 10 of us and my mom was a single mom. And so we had, you know, we had our chores. We had to pay bills. So I decided I was going to work. Um, I was working at Benetton. I was at the register. My friend called me on the phone and she said, Lisa? turn the radio on so I did and they were playing take you home and I slipped <laughs> I remember I was jumping up and down and the, the store manager came out and she was like what are you doing I was like that's me on the radio <laughs> I was shocked it was, it was crazy it's funny. I, I, you mentioned Benetton. I mean, that that pretty much disappeared. That was such a great brand back in the day. I know. I still have those big B sweaters. <laughs> I used to love that, and I used to love Genera. Genera was a guy's brand that I loved. Um, yeah. So, so you hear the song. You, you're now you know it has to be in your head. You know, 
do you still want to work? I mean, you're a young person. You just heard yourself on the radio. How do you mm-hmm. concentrate on working? I know you have a good upbringing. You guys had to work and pay rent. But how do you concentrate on wanting to work? Basically, it was about, you know, I had to maintain my income. My income had to keep coming in. You know, I had, we were all splitting the bills with my mom, so my parents, you know, to raise all 10 of us. So we all had to continually, you know, make that money. I was in school and working at the same time. And on the weekends, we were doing clubs, you know. But I was afraid to leave my job. I really was afraid to. And I think that fear... That grounding that my mom instilled in us is what made me afraid of not being able to do that, to, to, to pay those bills. So I continued. To, I mean, Columbia Records had to come to the store and pull me out. The store manager <laughs> called them and said, you got to get her out of here. People are coming to the store. It was nuts. A lot of fans started coming to the store, and it was crazy. So they were like, yeah, you can't work here anymore. <laughs> No, no. How did how did your uh, the, the kids in school take to you? Like you know, you're all of a sudden you know there's football stars or whatever thing, but you're like you're on the radio. How, how did the kids react? They must have been like, holy crap! We just heard on the well, radio. They were great. They were great about it because I was in a town limited school. I was in Julia Richmond, which was a talent school. So that department was so for it. They loved it. Um, they were all for it. I'm telling you, I had no issues. They just enjoyed it. So now you, you're on the radio. They pull you out of Benetton. Columbia signs you. What is their plan to do with what to do with you guys? What did they? How did they start marketing you? They just block, they marketed us as a, a you know a group from from New York street kids, you know that made good music. Uh, our music was the music that was being played in the clubs and for the freestyle dancers that were there, all the B-boys. You know, I remember the linoleum floors outside and the boom boxes, shell top Adidas, and that's what they were playing to break that. Take You Home was one of the big hits that they were dancing to. So all of a sudden, um, that freestyle hip-hop music came out. And because I was the only Latina back in the day that, you know, out there doing this, they decided to call it Latin hip-hop. Now, what do you think the videos, how do you think they affected your career? Because, you know, I'm someone who, uh, I'm 56, and I remember, I remember when oh, MTV... Oh, we're the same age. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, you know how MTV was. I mean, MTV was everywhere. You, we used to sit there and wait for, you know, songs to come on, because you just love videos. How do you think it affected your career? Did people say, because they can put a face to you now. They, they, before just hearing on the radio, they don't know. But how do you think people... How do you think it affected well, your career? Helped. I really believe that for the fans, it helped a lot because they got a visual from their favorite groups, you know, their favorite songs. You know, it helped a lot. You know, that for us was our social media, MTV and VH1, social media. We didn't have Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. We didn't have anything like that back in the day. That was our uh, social media. So when they threw a video out there and people noticed us, you know, out in the street or, you know, they would say, oh, you come and see this group perform at such and such club or whatever arena, they would run because they knew what the group looked like. They had a visual on what the song was going to look like on the stage. It helped a lot. Now, what was your experience 
in videos. I get so many different stories. Some of my people I've talked to, you know, they loved shooting the videos. Some hated it. I know you did some acting later in your life, so you, you know what it's like to be on a set. But what was yeah. your experience for the videos? And they, you were the the they they put you as the main the front. You're the front person. So the the most of the camera times for you. But what was your experience shooting videos? Did you enjoy it, or were you like, eh? I I eventually loved it, but the very first song that we recorded, a uh, filmed actually was. I wonder if I take you home, and I'm, I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of girl. That's how I started. You know, they, my mom never ever let me wear pants. So when we started, you know, music with with the record labels and going out there, I was always in jeans. And the fact that they wanted to put me in some pretty clothes, it killed me. <laughs> so my mom was like, "You're gonna be quiet, and you're gonna put that outfit on, and you're gonna go in front of that camera and sing that song." I said, "Okay, mommy," and I did it. <laughs> Yes, I did it, and after that, it was fun to get dressed up, you so, know? So, the videos are becoming big. Now, are you getting bigger uh, crowds for when you start? Are you still playing the clubs as the videos start hitting it? We're still doing clubs, but more so we're doing the arenas because um, we're getting put on these huge shows and tours. So we can't do just clubs. We have to. Do. We would do an arena, and then in the evening, we would, like, Come 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, we would go and do a club, too, in the same area. So that was fun. We were getting a lot more exposure. Now, as you're young, you're new in the business, what's it like when you all of a sudden take a stage at an arena? I mean, you know, you were just send, you were selling Benetton a while ago, and now you're in an arena. What is that like? What goes through your mind, especially at a very young age? Because, you know, you're an age, you know, most of us would never have, never had that experience, but you were young. I mean, what was it like? It was nuts. It was fun. It was nerve-wracking, but exciting. So much adrenaline. But, you know, to me, I really focused on just thanking God that I was able to get on the stage and sing, which is all I ever wanted to do. Still to this day, I freak out seconds before I get up on that stage because I'm nervous. But once I get up on that stage, it all changes. You know, I, I get up on that stage and I, I get that audience and I get the reaction and that, that's everything to me. That completes everything. So the first album does well. How does your life change? You know, I mean, it hit platinum, I believe. How does your life personally change? Because, you know, <laughs> you have money now, I'm sure. You know, it's not like, you know, you're before you were scrambling, you know, helping pay the bills, yeah. you probably had enough <laughs> money to pay all the bills. What is it like when you just started getting a lot of money? Well... Actually, I was so young that my mom, you know, we, we she was in control of everything. And um, we got the right people. I had um, a business manager and financial manager. Uh, they helped me a lot. I was on, a, on an allowance, you know. In the very beginning, my mom was like, nope, don't get crazy. And she took care of everything. Everything was being handled. So I really didn't get a feel of having all of that if that's what happened. But, you know, now today... It's still difficult to to not get, you know, crazy with finances. You know, you got to be smart. I thank God that I had people there to guide me in the right direction. Now, what was it like when you would perform and go on the road? Were you catered to? I mean, what is that life when all of a sudden you're on the road, you're not at home? <laughs> what is it like? For, I mean, was it scary because you were young or did the excitement take over to probably the scariness? 
I think it was just, to me, it was all fun. I wasn't fearful of traveling or anything like that. The only thing that I was fearful of was just making sure that I, I pleased my audience. Um, I enjoyed it, but, you know, I had full force and, and culture and there, and my mom sent my oldest brother to be my personal bodyguard, my guide, uh, to, to help me. And I was, you know, from a, I would go from a stage, it would take me straight to the hotel and lock me in. I wasn't allowed to do anything. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't that nutty. It wasn't crazy. So after... I was a kid, I, I started at 13, so, you know. So you have to make sure I was taken care of. Oh yeah, definitely. So so after the uh, first the first album, your second album comes out, and uh, Spanish Fly, and you have two huge huge hits off that. Yeah. Did you know <laughs> like what, what? Did you know that they were going to be huge? Like when you sang them. I mean, on the album Spanish Fly, is there a song you like better than the two big hits that you thought may should have become a hit? I like everything that I do. I basically, whatever song I'm doing, I got to make sure that I like it. Because if I don't like it, I'm not doing it. So I have to like everything that's on that album. Um, to me, they're all the same. They all make me feel fantastic. Um, the audience liked those two huge hits, Head to Toe and Lost in Emotion. So I thank them for that. It was um, number one, 13 weeks straight across the board. So... Thank you. <laughs> now, that must be, when you look back at it, that must be amazing because, you know, it was it was a new, it was, as you said, it was sort of a new sound and people just took to it. I mean, I remember going to the clubs and I'm the worst dancer around, but I would still be <laughs> out there. I'd still be out there doing it. I mean, did you, when you would do a show, it was probably one of the concerts where people probably got up and danced and that must have made you feel great. Oh, yes. Still to this day, I, 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 that to me is the whole entire focus. I want to make sure that the show is better than so that that audience can feel like they're back in that day. You know, I I base everything on the reaction of the audience. It makes me feel fantastic. Thank you. Now, now the the album is big, and now do you feel pressure to top that because you know can you even get bigger? What what was your group's focus when you went into the studio for your next album mm, that was you know making sure that we you know got the audience as best as we could and if not better than the first and second album so that's when I decided that I was gonna I was gonna beg <laughs> full force on the label to bring other producers in um, and I asked for CNC Music Factory to produce half of the album and that's when we got let the beat hit him, and it killed. It killed. I think we did the right choice. Now, how did how did you pick them? How did you pick CC? Um, they were hitting it big. They were doing really well, especially um, with club music. They were hitting it big, and I wanted to go back to basics because we did a lot of pop and you know old school music for the second album as well. So I wanted to go back to the club scene. I needed that flavor, and I thought they would be best pull it out there now you know you said you want to go back to the club scene and, and i know when you were younger you're doing standards but who were some of your musical influences like who did you like oh. when you were little i was raised on salsa and motown basically so you know eddie palmetti tito puente um jimmy sabote joe cuba la celia oh, and of course anything motown um, Martha and the Vandellas, the Supremes, 
um, so many, so many. That's the sound that I was raised on. Now, you get done the third album, and how does that do sales-wise? It sells great. Though that it made it um, go platinum. We got a top, a number one hit with um, "Let the Beat 'Em Hit 'Em" on the club, the club charts and R&B charts, which was great. We did top ten across the board, so it, it did well. Now, after that, you guys. Uh, broke up. What what was one of the factors that had you break up? Why did you guys break up? It wasn't bad at all, and we're still together. And we, you know, whenever we can, we do shows together because Cult Jam actually is doing other things. You know, Spanador he plays and produces other bands and groups, and Mike he's a he's a professional Olympic capoeira fighter and teaches overseas. So. They're doing their thing to me. The reason why we decided to, to move on separately was because we all had things that we wanted to do. I wanted to continue with music, but I, I felt a little stifled. I needed to pursue different sounds, and I wanted to do it on my own. So that's why we decided to sever ties um, then. Now, what were the sounds that you personally wanted to pursue? I'm a lover of R&B. I'm an R&B head, and I wanted to hit a lot of R&B and club mix. So I chose different producers to deal with. You know, I, I, I got um, Giovanni Salah. I got Guru. Um, so many different uh, producers to work with. And myself, who I wrote and produced a lot of the stuff on that following album, my solo album. Now, what was it like going into the studio as a solo? Because you guys had such success and you had a bond. I'm sure there was such a bond and you trusted each other on stage. And I'm sure it's like a, a kinship. And you come from a big family, so you probably felt that more. What was it like going to the studio by yourself? I mean, I know you're the name Lisa Lisa, but, you know, it must... It, what was it like? Because you're still young. It was... Yeah, no, I think it was... A learning experience because I was so curious. I wanted to learn everything. The board, how to run that and how to create. I, I needed to learn all of that. So anybody that I um, recruited to come in and, and work with me on this album, they all taught me everything and allowed me to sit in on every part of creating that track. You know, it was great. It was great. Like being in college and having fun. <laughs> now, how does that album sell? That album, it went uh, gold, and it it charted not too high on the on the chart. But Billboard gave it um, its honors and creative honors. Um, it did really well, but it wasn't in the public eye for everybody, which was okay, okay for me because I basically wanted to get um, I wanted to get the thumbs up from everybody. All the musicians is what I wanted to get the thumbs up on. And that's where I got it. Now, at that part of your career, and even in your earlier part, did it come across to you and did people approach you that you were a uh, Latina role model? Because, you're, you know, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of Latinas on in the mainstream music. Did people approach you and how did you take on that role? You must have loved it. I didn't know I had that role, but <laughs> I never really thought about it. And... um 
years later, people started saying to me, you know, thank you for being that Latina role model. And I was like, if I'm a role model, then I have to really focus on that because I want to make sure that I put across the right, the right note. You know what I'm saying? I tried my damnedest, and I think I succeeded on not focusing on all of that. I wanted to focus on the music itself and my career. You know, I, I didn't know I was a role model. People were coming up to me with that. I mean, people like Gloria Estefan saying things like that to me. Thank you. And I'm like, whatever I did, <laughs> sure, I'll continue to do it if I'm opening doors. But thank you for acknowledging. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It was just shocking to me. Well, it, it was well-deserved. But now... Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, it is, though. It's one of those things, you know, and as I said, we're the same age. So we, I, I, I'm a huge music fan. I knew what the music culture was like back then. And, you know, for a white kid from, you know, suburbia, we weren't... We didn't know really know Latino music. You know what I mean? So you were, you made a difference. And also you made a difference with the, the, the dancing. You got oh. me out to dance on the floor. <laughs> now... <laughs> Thank you. Now, now you... After that first, your solo album, you take a 12-year recording break. What were, you, mm -hmm. what were you doing in those 12 years? I didn't really take a break. I was still performing. <laughs> um, I focused on making sure that I was everywhere on that stage. So I was overseas a lot. I was still performing out here in the States, you know, everywhere that I can be on a stage, I was. I also focused on my acting career, and I did a couple of independent films. I did a lot of TV. I also did three seasons on a Nickelodeon show, and I played the mom on a show called Taina that did really, really well. <laughs> so, I mean, I, was, I still worked. I didn't stop. But what was, why did you take so long in recording a new album? Um... I didn't find the right material at that point, you know, I was focusing on other things and I was still really living off of, you know, the, the albums that I have and putting them on the stage for the audience. So I would, I was filming during the week and on the weekends I would fly out to wherever they wanted me to do a concert. Now, what made you want to get into acting? Well, oh, I... I was raised up in theater. My sister, I remember she pulled me on a stage in a small um, Latin group uh, community. It was called Intar Theater, and I started there with musical theater. Now, I, I made it a musical theater in high school, and um, I just wanted to, I wanted to push that too. I, I figured, you know, why not? <laughs> Now, have you have you done stage in in your in the past, like on Broadway? I believe were you in West Side Story? I did West Side Story, and I did off Broadway. I did this little group uh, show called Barrio Babies. I did that for many years. It was a touring thing that we did, and um, I mean, I've done. I think I've done a lot. <laughs> now, now, what is it like when you go? Let's say you're touring off Broadway. When, when you've been in front of giant crowds, but now it's more intimate, do you feel that you, uh, you're you using a different performing bone? Because when you're in front of a big crowd singing, you're still somewhat acting. When you act in front of an intimate oh, crowd, is there, is there a, uh, is it, do you, how do you get the same energy because it's not that thousands of people cheering you on? I think it's more intimate, you know, um, when you're in a smaller theater and, and, and club, I think it's more intimate, so it's more important 
to make sure that they get the same feeling. I still get that roar. You know, it may not be as big, but I still get that exciting feeling. Um, just make sure that you put it out there. I got to sell it. Got to sell that song. Got to sell that character. Whatever it is, whatever piece I'm doing, got to sell it. Now, you're still touring and you've been touring, you know, and you get in the road. And, and I know you just, I believe, were with Taylor Dane and uh, someone else on a tour. Jody Watley, was uh it? Jody Wally, yes, ladies and, of the age. Now, <laughs> and it's such a cool concert. Now, what's it like, though, is, you know, as we get older, we always look back on what we've done. You must have fans show up with their kids. That must be so <laughs> That must be so cool to sit there because you're touching generations. It's nuts. And, man, it puts, it, it puts me in tears because I'm like, wow, look at them, and they're here with their children and their children's children. I mean, and then, you know, we do the meet and greets, and, They'll be there saying, Mommy, but that's Taina's mom. And the mom will be like, yeah, I know, but I know her as Lisa Lisa. So it's, it's nuts, and it's so much fun, and I love to have the conversation with them, you know, as to where I'm at at this point in life. I, I think it's amazing. Well, now, you know, your music, you know, was, you know, big when the club scenes were big. What do you think of the music in clubs now? Like, I mean, I mean, what do you, do you think it's... It doesn't, I don't, I don't go to clubs, but you know, like the DJs, it's quite different. I mean, what do you think of music now? Because you were a trendsetter for the whole club sound. What do you think now? I think you'd be surprised. A lot of the music that's out today is a remake or a retake from an old song. You know, so you hear a lot of that. You know, that version, but faster. The BPMs are quicker, you know, for the clubs. Depends on the kind of club you go to, but you still hear um, that old sound. A lot of the artists today, that's what they're doing. They're going back in time and taking those, they're going into the archives and bringing those songs back out and sampling and doing this and that to it. So I'm honored. <laughs> now, now, do you, when you toured the world, what were some of your favorite places overseas to play? Oh, overseas to play. Of course, London. My most favorite was Spain. Um, but all in all, New York, I have to tell you. Not overseas, but it's home. Now, you're still touring. Now, you, you signed up with a, you're an Uncle Snoop's Army? I'm with Uncle Snoop's Army, yes. And that's management and production, so. Now, now tell Look me, <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? It must be great, because Snoop's everywhere. That guy's everywhere. I mean, you, you see him on TV, you see him here, you see him here, you see him on TMZ. I mean, I don't know how he has the time. How did you end up uh, getting in uh, Getting in with Snoop's Army? Yeah, that boy has his foot in everything, thank God. Um, actually, I unfortunately lost my manager of 20-plus years um, early this year. And um, we were talking about, she, she battled cancer for many, many years. And we were talking about, actually, the last year she was with me, uh, about new management, because she knew, she knew, and I did too, that I needed somebody else to represent me. So we were looking into names, <clears throat> and that was a name that popped up. Of course, he was on, on the list. Uh, he also is represented by Bobby D Presents, and Bobby D I've known for over 20 years myself. He used to book me everywhere. So when I got the word, well, when they got the word that she passed, rest her soul, um, they gave me the call. Him and Bob, uh, Bobby and uh, Snoop got on the phone and were like, yeah, we want to represent you. And I said, absolutely, sign down immediately. And 
narcissistic. <laughs> now, what are they? Are you, now, what are they doing to help your career? Because they're they're such a you know, as I said, Snoop, such a global name. How? Oh, how we, we have a lot happening right now. New music being put together as we speak. Um, touring all over the. I'm on like three or four different tours. I'm all over the place with them. Um, we also have a lot of independent films that we've. You know, I finished filming two, and I'm still doing two others. We got a lot of that happening, and of course, merchandise, which is in the infant stage is still, but I have a boot line coming up. I pray that it's ready by the end of the year. I want to put it out. So, I mean, there's a lot happening. Now, what are uh, some of the roles you're playing in these indie movies? Uh, I play a lot of crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> I play cops. I play moms. I do this, and I do it all. What what would be, if someone said to you, hey, Lisa, uh, we're doing a movie, you can play any kind of character you want, what would you want to play? A lawyer. I would definitely want to play a lawyer because there's just so much happening with the legal system today that I would love to help with that. Now, the touring, as, you, as you've gotten older, is the touring easier or is it harder now? Because you were so young when you started, and then you were in the yeah. middle, and then now you're older. What is it uh -huh. like touring these days? I mean, is it something that, do you feel it after you're on a long run, a tour? Does your body, is your body drained? Oh, please. I, I'm, I'm a hyper person. <laughs> you know, um, I, but I opted to do just weekends. So usually we fly out Thursdays and come back Monday evenings. But I, during the week, I like to stay home and play mommy because my kids are in school. You know, and I want to make sure that, you know, these kids, you know, are raised well. I don't want anybody else to raise them for me. Um, it's not hard at all. Not hard at all. You know, you make things happen. Whatever it is you want to happen in your life, you make it happen. Now, your kids, how do, how do other parents react when they find out, you know, Lisa Lisa's their their kids' friend's mom. Or people thrown <laughs> back like, Holy crap, hey, you know you know, Lisa Lisa's kid came over for, yeah, for you know what is it like? It's funny. <laughs> and it's adorable. Um I'm in the school all the time because, you know, I'm a PTA mom. So I, I try to, you know, stay focused on my, my children as well. Um but it's funny when I walk in and the, the kids' moms are there and they're like, oh my gosh, let me take a picture. And I remember you and the kids are looking at them like they're crazy. They're nuts. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just all in fun. It's all in good fun. Now, now you said you're working on um, new music. What what sound are you going now for? Because, you know, you figure you've matured as a performer. You know, everyone changes as we get older. Our sounds change or whatever taste changes. What sound are you going for now? The sound I'm going for is my basic. I want to do the R&B, uh, pop, funk um, club. But I also want to do a lot of features. I'd, I'd love to have tons of features on these albums. Um, uh, these songs, excuse me. So it's going to be, I'm going to call it the head bopper. You're what? I'm going to call my sound head bopper. And why are you going to call you're gonna that? Love it because you're going to feel it once you hear it. You're going to bop your head. <laughs> now, now, since you're recording and Snoop has connections, is there anybody? Mm -hmm. Is there anybody you want to record with that you would be like, man, oh, this is really cool? Absolutely, absolutely, of course, Snoop. Because that's Big Papa. I want him on a lot of my stuff. <laughs> he's, he's a man, and what 
his brain, his memory is an archive, so he knows. Um, I also would love to do features with, of course, J-Lo, you know, because she's another great Latina, and Cardi B. I'd also like to do stuff with, you know, Maxwell and Angie Stone uh, and so on. I, I just want to hit that sound. Now, being a musician and having a very, you have a very eclectic taste, what are you listening to now? Like, what's some of the music you're listening to these days? I'm an old school head, so I'm listening to all the old school stuff. You know, anything R&B is going to hit my radio. Um, it's really difficult to listen to anything today because it's it's just not my stilo, <laughs> you know? I love music, but it's hard because, you know, I don't like anything too vulgar and anything with the BPMs too fast. That kills my heart. <laughs> so I'm listening. I'm, I'm still, I'm going back in the day with, you know, Stevie Wonder, that kind of stuff. Now, I also know you went through cancer. Well, well, okay, yeah. Now, you know, and that's such, everyone is affected by it, you know, and it's just, it's crazy. Have How do you give back going through it? I mean, once again, well, I don't want to say role model, but you, you, you did it and you were, what was it, 20 years ago that you had it? Longer than that. It was, I was diagnosed at the age of 20 and battled it at that age. I had, was diagnosed with ductal carcinoma, breast cancer, so... I mean, it was difficult back then, but it's it's easier now because you have these organizations that help you. Um, medical um, technology is <clears throat> more advanced. You know, a lot of it that we went through back then was ugh, hard. I mean, I would be on a stage with a Walkman kind of thing stuck to my hip, you know, doing chemo and stuff on a stage performing, so it was pretty hard. Um, I, I like to work with uh, Sloan Kettering uh, with their organization to, to fight awareness, you know, to, to get people to donate more and, you know, more research. Now, in 1989, you were honored by President Bush. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to the White House? Yes, I did. So what is it like, man? I mean, everyone, you know, we all grew up watching the White House and, you know, Conjunction Junction and all those schoolhouse rock and stuff. What is it like going to the, is it is it so secure? It must be crazy or what happened? It was nuts. It was crazy. There's so much security and you can't touch anything, but it was fun to go through. It was like in a muse- being in a museum and going through all the rooms, you know, the dish room, the library, the Oval Office. It was crazy. And it was fun. You know, to, to learn about, you know, all the other presidents. It was a lot of fun, but that's not what I focused on. It was when I was at that dinner, and I had no idea that I was being honored. Oh, really? I was yeah, I didn't know. I thought I was just going to hang out, and it was going to be a great dinner <laughs> and meet all the, you know, anybody political, to, you know, there. Uh, I thought it was fun, and then they called me up on the stage. I said, what? I had no idea. How, how was the food? The food was, you know, basic. <laughs> You're probably going, this stuff sucks. Come on, give me something. Good. Yeah, you know, you, when you go to these, you know, like a wedding or whatever, and you get these meals from there, you know, you're going to eat that because you're hungry. <laughs> but I focused on seeing a lot of different people and meeting them and yeah. talking. Because I, I, I had a lot of questions, so I spoke to everybody. Now, now, is there anybody that you've met that has just blown you away? Like, you're like, oh, my God, I just, through your life, through your career, is there anyone you met you went, oh, my God, I just met such and such? 
Yeah, Patty LaBelle. I love her. She she's she's my idol. <laughs> I loved her dearly, still love her now. And I remember Full Force was doing one of her albums and uh, they were in the studio recording a lot of the backgrounds for it and they got myself and Cheryl Pepsi Riley to do background vocals on our album. So we were like, whoa. I got there to rehearse and to start recording and in she walks. I got so scared. I was like, oh my God, I'm meeting my idol. It was nuts. She picked me up. She literally lifted me off my feet and hugged me. <laughs> I'll always remember that. Yeah, I will always remember Miss Miss LaBelle was the most amazing person. It's kind of like I felt adopted. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you mentioned earlier you were only, now is that tour yeah. still going? Yes, it is. It's all this year. That's one of the tours that I'm on. Um, we're hitting every place. Trust. Go online and search. We're everywhere. Come down. It's going to be dope. Now, now, how much time do you do? Like, how does that show break up when you do it? Because you're all three accomplished. You all have great catalogs. Do, you, do is there a certain order every night, or is it does it yeah, switch well, up? I'm, I'm so it's Jody first, me second, and Taylor last. So um, we all get uh, Jody gets about half hour. I get about forty five to fifty minutes. Taylor gets an hour. It's it's you know it doesn't really matter on time. We just get it in, and it, it's been doing really well. Now, how have you set your set list? Do you come up with that? Is it the same every night? Or do you just know what works and what portion of the show? How do you set your set list? It depends on the the area we're in, the audience, and what flavor they're in, you know, what song they like best. So that's how we set our playlist. I have so many different playlists, it's crazy. (laughs) Now, what do you think, though, is the song that makes the people get up and dance the most in this, at this day. Take It Home, of course, because the, the, that the, was the first song that put us on the map. Then what is your favorite song to perform? All Cried Out. All Day, Every Day. <laughs> That's cool. So now the tour, now, now I know we can find information you on you at uh, Uncle Snoop's Army. Uh, where else yeah. can people find out the information for the tour you're on? Um, you could go online and go on to Taylor Dane and she, because she's the producer of the tour. You can also go on my um, social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Lisa Lisa, the real LL77, um, and you can get all the information there. Great. Well, you know, I want to, I want to thank you for talking to me today. Uh, I'm a fan, as I said. You know, back in the day, that dancing uh, scene. And uh, so, people, please go check this tour out, man. And if if you don't get up and dance, you're an idiot because it's great music. <laughs> so, people, go check out Lisa Lisa. Go on and you know buy some of her Lisa Lisa and Colt Jam's albums. And uh, so, people, check her out. Uh, go to my website, CooperTalk.net. You can find over 775 episodes. Follow me on Twitter at CooperTalk, Instagram at Cooper Talk 1. Email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. And remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.